I have a title today that says, Grow Up. Grow Up. Have you ever looked at somebody and you said to them, Grow Up? You need to grow up, boy. You need to grow up, girl. You need to grow up. Has anybody ever looked at you and said, Grow Up? (laughs) Sometimes my wife looks at me and says, Grow Up. If you were here for the Sunday school class here in the sanctuary, wonderful job, Sister Allison. First time I've heard her teach since we've been here. But the Sunday school lesson was on maturing and growing up in Christ. Now, I didn't know that. Did not know that. I hadn't looked at the commentary beforehand. And I, Donna pulled my notebook out of my hand and opened it up and pointed. She said, grow up. And I said, yeah, that's the same what she's teaching this morning. So if you were in the Sunday school lesson, you're thoroughly prepared for the sermon this morning. As children of God, it should be natural that we mature in the faith and mature in our walk with Christ and become mature Christians. Can I get an amen this morning? It should happen day by day. It should happen week by week. And it should happen year by year. If you want to turn with me to 1 Peter, uh, what I was endeavoring to cover this morning would, was going to be the first chapter, verses 1 through 16. And, and the epistle that Peter writes here to these churches is a very short book of the Bible, or what we would call an, an epistle. And I would encourage you this week to maybe read the entire thing as a, as a follow-up to the sermon this morning. But I see there in the beginning of the epistle that Peter starts out by saying, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You see that in the very first verse, it begins that Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we think of Peter, the one who was in the gospels, we don't think very much of him at certain times. And the gospels don't paint a very good picture of the old boy at certain times. But this is Peter some 30 years Later, And how many know we can grow up in God? The man or the woman that we used to be does not have to be the man or the woman who we are today. And the man or the woman we are today does not have to be the man or the woman we are 10 years from now, 5 years from now, or even 1 month from now. We can grow up in Christ. Here Peter calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ, the cream of the crop, so to speak. A high calling. But in the Gospels, we see a Peter who stuck his foot in his mouth. Up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Jesus was there, and Elijah and Moses, and and Peter speaks up and says, we just need to build a temple for all three of you. He missed the point. He stuck his foot in his mouth, as he did many, many times. We see Peter through the Gospels, who is a, a brash, an audacious Peter. We see Peter who is spontaneous as they came to take Jesus in the garden that night. Peter pulls out his sword and cuts the soldier's ear off. And then we see probably what we remember the most about Peter, at least on the negative side. We see Peter as a denier of Christ. Jesus said, one of you is going to deny me. And Peter, being the brash, bold person that he is, says to the Lord, I will never deny you. Never is a powerful statement, isn't it? Never and always are really words that maybe we ought to shy away from. I'll never do that. Or my family will never act like that. Or I always do this. Sometimes those are just not good words for us to use. Amen? Amen. Peter said, I'll never deny you. 
But before the night was over, Peter denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times, and even cursed in one of those interactions. We don't always see Peter as a, a leader. We don't always see a Peter as an a, apostle. But here we see Peter writing this letter 30 years later, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. How many knows that the grace of God can reach into a life and change a life and change the course and the pattern and the direction of a life and a denier can become an apostle. A backslider can come home. Someone who doesn't know Christ, the vilest sinner, can find the grace of God and become the greatest Christian this world has ever seen. Thank God for the grace of God. Squire Parsons wrote it this way. He came to me. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. And Peter knew something about that grace because Peter was out fishing Peter had gone back to his normal life. He had denied the Lord and now he was out fishing. And they look up on the seashore and lo and behold, who was on the seashore? It was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came looking for Peter even after Peter had denied him. And you say this morning, I have lived so badly. I have lived so wrongly. I have done so many things and made so many mistakes. Would he come looking for me? And the answer is yes. In fact, maybe, just maybe, he brought you to this house this morning to experience the power of God and to hear about the grace of God so that he could change your very life. Peter knew something about the grace of God. Look with me, please. First Peter, starting at verse two, right towards the end, he's given some salutations there. And I just wanna grab that last part of verse two. And I want to hang there for just a minute here in a second. Peter says, grace, everybody say grace, grace. to you and peace. Everybody say peace. peace, be multiplied. Verse three, blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now here is that hope, verse four. What are we hoping for? To an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved for hev in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation or unto salvation already to be revealed in the last time. You see, we have a God who meets us where we are, not where we ought to be. Jesus showed up on the seashore he knew the facts about Peter. He knew the cold, hard facts. And I want to tell us all this morning, myself included, there are some cold, hard facts about every one of us that we wouldn't want displayed on this television up here this morning. But God knows the cold, hard facts. And we see what he says here in Luke 22. Just hang there in Peter. I think she'll have it on the screen. Luke twenty-two sixty 60. Tells us, well, excuse me, actually, let's jump, to, let's jump to John 21 and four. John 21 and four. We've already talked about the denying. That was, that was my fault. I'm getting ahead of myself this morning. Say, slow down, pastor. Some of you say, speed up, speed up. <laughs> Here we see that, that Peter had denied and Peter had wept bitterly. But look at John 21 and four. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore 
Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus tells them, why don't you cast your net over on the right side of the boat? Now, that'd be a good sermon series right there, and I don't have time to get into any of that. But God knows how to provide for his children. He knows where the provision is. Then you see in verse seven, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, therefore John said to Peter, it is the Lord. There might come a time in our lives, you may be here this morning, you don't know the Lord and you feel something that is urging you and drawing you and convicting you. Can I say like John said right here, it is the Lord. And then Jesus said a a beautiful thing that I like to paraphrase and I like that old hymn that they used to sing, come and dine. Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. And Jesus said, hey, come and eat with me. They'd had some trouble. Peter had denied Jesus. Jesus knew that Peter had denied him. In fact, the last time he denied him, the Bible says in one of the accounts that Jesus looked at him. Jesus saw him. But here Jesus has not only sought him out, but he says, come on and eat with me. Come on and dine with me. Can I give us a practical nugget right here, right in the middle of this story? A lot of relational problems can be solved with a good pot of beans and cornbread and sit down at a table with somebody and talk it out. Hallelujah. I'll take your beans and cornbread if we don't have a problem. (laughs) But I'm telling you that if we can sit down, sometimes we just need to sit down. Can I preach with love this morning? I know I'm being silly and funny right there, but I feel, a, I feel a tenderness about that thing. If you've got a little tension with somebody, ask them over to eat or go, go somewhere and sit down and break bread together and talk it through. Amen? Amen. Verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. And then in verse seven, he said to him, Jesus said to Peter again a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. You may sit here this morning and you know that you, maybe we have failed the Lord. Maybe we have fallen short. Maybe we have sinned. But in our heart, we love the Lord. We want to make things right. Peter experienced grace in this tender, beautiful moment on the shore where Jesus had come looking for him. Jesus, uh, Peter experienced grace. He experienced a new start. And I have good news for you this morning. From the youngest to the oldest, we can experience a new start. That's what grace is for. He gives us grace to grow by. And Peter said in verse 2b, the last part of that verse back in 1 Peter, he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Where does the grace of God stop? I don't believe it does stop. I believe as much grace as we need, God wants to give it to us. Where does the peace of God end? I believe as much peace as we need, God wants to multiply it to us. He is a very personal God. I've heard a lot of people say, and I don't like this at all. I don't like to hear it from Christians, especially when people say, karma, 
I'm going to get you. You're, what goes around comes around. And it's going to get you. And they say karma. Can I tell you something? Don't use that term. Karma is a Buddhist term. And karma does mean what goes around is going to come around. And, and you get me, I'm going to get you. And I get you and you get me. And it's just all about revenge. But can I tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about karma. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about grace. Amen. Unmerited grace getting what I don't deserve. Not only should we grow in grace, I'm going to move quickly. We need to grow in grit. Now, I don't know if you can see on the screen this morning that picture or not, but that's a little snail. Everybody say, hi, snail. There's that little snail right in the hot, hard pavement. And the sun is beating down. And the cars are getting ready to roll through there. And that little snail has some perseverance and is headed to the grassland. Now, how fast is that thing going? I don't know, but not very fast. That snail has some grit. And Peter would say to us, not only do we need to grow in grace, but we need to grow in some grit, some grabbing hold and not letting go. You see, we can't just serve God and follow Christ for the loaves and the fishes and the mountaintop experiences. But in those valleys, in those trying times, in those times of persecution or discouragement, we must have some grit and persevere. I believe in those 30 years that we saw pass from, from Peter in the Gospels to Peter writing here, I believe the man had some grit. I know the grace of God helped him, but I believe he had some determination. And some of you are facing some hard trials right now, but I want to encourage us all to grow in grit. Look at 1 Peter 1, 6 through 8. Look at verse 6 there in the first chapter. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. But here's why the trials come. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested, though your, though your faith, your very life, your faith is tested by fire, here's what God wants to happen. Here's what grit will bring forth, that there will be glory to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we go through things to bring praise and glory and honor to God. Now that's a hard word, isn't it? That's a hard pill to swallow. But sometimes the things we go through, it's a testing and God is molding us and making us, but it's building a testimony to show praise and honor and glory to God. You see, we've all been shown God's grace, but God also wants us to live in his peace. And even when we feel like that snail in the middle of the road and we know the sun is beating down and we know that the cars are coming, I want to tell you, we can have peace with God. And we can persevere with God and we can have some grit with God. And then finally, we should grow in grace. We should grow in grit, but we should grow in glory. For every cocoon, there's a butterfly. For every process, there's a beauty and a glory that's gonna show forth. Look with me, 1 Peter 1, start at verse eight. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, or we like to say in the old hymn, joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Peter is saying here that we can live in this glorious plan of salvation that gives us a hope now and a hope for the future. But the prophets, they didn't get to experience this. The prophets prophesied about this and they they inquired about this and they hoped for the day that was come. But you and I, this morning, we live in the age of grace and what a beautiful time it is to be a Christian and to be a child of God. And it's glorious and we can grow in that glory and that majesty that it is to be a Christian. Look at verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. They were being motivated by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ was motivating these prophets to talk about all the things that we are experiencing, even that we experience today. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, that they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. This plan of salvation, the angels cannot even relate to. This gift of salvation, this glory of grace that changes our lives, angels can't even understand. But we can glory in God. We can grow in grace. We can grow in grit. But we can grow in our glory. What do you mean, Pastor, grow in our glory? One, we should appreciate the glory of salvation. Two, we should appreciate the glory of his power. Peter knew something about that glory of his power because Peter was there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and that glorious power came from on high. And it propelled him not only to experience the power of God, but he began to preach the gospel of God. This power that we have felt here this morning, this moving and unction of the Holy Spirit that we have experienced in this house this morning here on 1505 Simmons Gap Road, we should not bottle it up for ourselves. It should propel us to tell others about this glorious hope that we have found. So see, we glory in salvation, we glory in his power, and we glory in our future hope. If our praise team will come this morning, I told you I would be mindful of our our time together this morning. But one definition of glory is a verb definition. It says, take great pride or great pleasure in. And I believe if you read, and maybe if you read some more this week in 1 Peter, you will see that Peter took great pride and great pleasure in the great plan of salvation that had changed his life, that can change our lives, and that gave him a great hope, a glorious future. Would you stand with me this morning? If you know this glorious salvation, can I just get a good amen this morning? If you know the glory of his power, can I get a good amen this morning? And if you know the glory of a hope that is beyond this life, can I get an amen this morning? You see, we can glory in the eternal hope of our salvation. 
I hope you still have your Bibles. If not, just grab it real quick and turn with me one final time and we're gonna land the plane. You say, Pastor, that's your first landing. It might be my last. I won't promise. First Peter 1, 13. Some meat for us to grab a hold of before we leave this house this morning. We've been talking about the seven characteristics of life. And today's characteristic of life was growing. If we're alive, we grow. And Sister Allison brought it forth very, very personally in the, in the Sunday school lesson about some people within our church body and extended body that at times weren't growing physically like they ought to grow. And we were concerned and praying. But I want to tell you this morning, I want to tell all of us, if we're not growing spiritually, we need to be concerned and praying. We need to be maturing. We need to become more and more like Christ. And so I ask you this morning, these questions, three questions. Am I alive in Christ? Is my relationship with Christ growing? Am I changing to be more like Him? Ask yourself this question. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, our closing verses. Peter says to us, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Basically, take hold of what you're thinking. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How are we gonna do this? Who do we need to be like? Obedient children that are becoming like Christ. Sister Allison kind of talked about a, a bratty child in Sunday school this morning. It wasn't any of her daughters either. Nothing worse than a bratty child. <laughs> Nothing better than an obedient child. He tells us here, Peter says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. I want to tell us this morning that as children of God, there's nothing to go back to. There is no pleasure in the sins of the past. Don't go back to them. There's no fulfillment in the sins of the past. Not conforming ourselves to the former lust as it was in our ignorance. Sometimes we just didn't even know any better. But we know better now. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, hallelujah. Somebody say holy. You also be holy. Everybody say holy. In all your conduct. You say, pastor, how can I be holy? I can be holy by leaning upon his grace. I can be holy by having some grit some determination that I'm gonna know what God is saying to me and I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna live it out. I can be holy by keeping a hope of his glory that is before me and that is with me. Verse 16, because it is written, be holy, say it again, holy, for I am holy. I wanna grow up. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I know we've prayed a lot today. The Lord has been gracious to us. He's been good to us this morning. He's made us to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, our Lord. But I believe he also had a word for us to remind us that if we need to be saved, there's grace available.
As Christians, if there are things in our lives that need to be dealt with, there is grace that is available. I believe you wanted to remind somebody this morning that, that the road right now is a little rough. The road right now is a little tough. You might feel like a snail in the middle of the paved, hot pavement trying to get to the grass and you know the car's coming. But I want to tell you to persevere because God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And He is using this trial so that His glory can shine forth from you as a testimony that can bring forth praise to His great name. And I say, Lord, if I have to walk through the process, I want to walk through the process with you, with my head held high and my hands extended to you, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of my faith, knowing that you will never leave me nor forsake me, and knowing that you're going to work it all to my good. For all things work together for good to them who are called of God. All things. Grow up, grace up, grit up, and then glory up. What do you mean glory up? That means I'm going to praise him on the good days. I'm going to praise him on the bad days. I'm going to give him glory in the valley, and I'm going to give him glory on the mountain. Hallelujah. And I'm going to glory that my hope does not reside in this present world, but my hope is in heaven one day. And I'm going, how about you? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody over this house, would you bow your heads this morning before we leave? I'd like for us to search our hearts as individuals. If you want to come and pray in this altar, this altar is open. If you want to give your heart and life to the Lord and you want to come forward and must pray with you, this altar is open. In fact, it's always open for that. Before we leave this morning, search your heart as an individual. Do you need a little extra grace this morning? His grace is sufficient. Do you need a little more grit? He'll give you strength to hold on. Maybe you just want to offer praise to the Lord about that glorious hope that we have. Just do that this morning all over the house as they sing whatever they have prepared. Search your hearts this morning.